Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you. Everyone's like dissing my props this morning. I don't understand. (laughs) That's good. I'm glad you're loving it. I am so excited. I'm one of those excited people with you, Sandy, because I really believe that God's given me a word for each and every one of you. And um, yeah, so strap in. I'm excited. It's going to be a great morning. Um, So we are in part two of, um, sorry, let me just get my notes. There we go. We are in part two of The God Who Cares. And it's such a lovely title, isn't it? But um, this morning, I believe that we're going to see Jesus a little bit different to that kind of Jesus that's depicted there this morning. And that's why I'm really quite excited. Because this Jesus is definitely necessary. Like we love this kind of Jesus, am I right? Like we love to be cared like that. Look at that sheep, that lamb. So happy and content. It's just like, Jesus, you're the best. So we're, we're like that at some stages, but, um, but there's more. I believe that there's more and um, we're going to explore that this morning. And so last week, just to recap a little bit, last week we talked about this kind of Jesus where um, he, he is like our shepherd. We looked at Psalm 23 and how King David penned this psalm when he had, um, I showed you guys a, a clip of me falling off a skateboard, but when King David had fallen off the proverbial skateboard of life, um, he, he uh, approached the Lord. He approached God in this kind of way that, God, you are my shepherd. You're the one that I come to uh, in those moments of confusion in my life. You're my safe place. You're my place where I can find rest for my soul. But more than that, God, you get me up off of my feet. You know the right path for me to go down and you protect me as I go down that path as well. And so we looked at that part of the care of God for our lives. And I don't know about you, but I love that side of Jesus as my shepherd, of God caring for me like that. But there's something within me that's like, God, there's got to be more to to this faith than that kind of a relationship. There's got to be more to our relationship than just that picture. Anyone there with me? Yeah. It's kind of like, come on, come on. Um, And so uh, we're going to actually look at the second part of Psalm 23 and that there is a little bit of a transition. There is kind of like this part two, this upgrade that takes place. So we're going to return to our psalm and I'm going to read that out now. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Can I get an amen? He leads me down the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't know if you've ever read this psalm and noticed that there's a little bit of a transition in how David sees himself. Do you notice that in the first part of the psalm, he sees himself as a sheep, and he talks about all of us, God's people, as a sheep, right? But then there's 
this progression, and we know that there's progression as well because the last uh, sentence in that psalm is about being in the house of the Lord forever. And when does that happen? In eternity, right? So there's this progression of life here on earth into eternity. But there's also this progression from us being like sheep to us actually being like humans. And, um, and I don't know about you, but I love that progression because sometimes when the Bible refers to us as sheep, I get a little bit insulted. I'm like, God, you're insulting my intelligence here. I'm not just, you know, like a sheep wandering around and, you know, absolutely clueless about life. Um, but, but there's more to me than that. And that's what we're going what we're gonna to actually explore uh, this morning. So like I brought out that comparison, sheep tend to be this clueless kind of animal. They're just Actually, the word that you could use is selfish, that sheep are selfish because they're just concerned with their, their benefits that they get from the shepherd, right? You see that. And so there's this progression from sheep to human where an awareness shifts. We're, not, we're not, uh, no longer this clueless kind of follower that, um, that just depends on the shepherd for sustenance and, and nourishment and protection, but we're actually these people that become aware. But what do we become aware of? And that's a good question to ask. I don't know if ever you read your Bibles and you ask yourself questions. It's, it's a really great way to actually study the Bible and get yourself into it. Um, so what I ask myself is, God, what do we become aware of? Why, you know, what, are, what is this thing that you want us to be aware of? And to answer that, God um, led me to looking at the type of person that David was. David was known to be a man of war in, in the Bible. <clears throat> he was a man of war and he was placed by God strategically, especially um, because he was going to be the victorious king that led Israel into a place of peace. And so that was the kind of king that David was. Now, that's an interesting fact about David, but something that's even more interesting that God led me to uh, see is that Jesus was also called, one of his many names while he walked here on earth, was Son of David. And what Son of meant in the Bible was basically you, you follow suit after your father. And so when Jesus was given this title, Son of God, it was depicting the fact that Jesus would come and be like David in that he would bring peace to all of Israel. Are you following me so far? Awesome. You guys, smart, you're switched on. I love it. So that's, the, that's what Jesus would then um, emulate. That's what he came to do. And all four Gospels, we have to take note when all four Gospels record a specific event. And so all four Gospels actually record this event called the Triumphal Entry. If you've ever been to the Catholic Church, um, I grew up in the Catholic Church, so I know this part well, but we would always celebrate every year the lead up to the crucifixion, um, Jesus's crucifixion. And part of that was actually um, uh, this Palm Sunday, this Triumphal Entry uh, uh, event that happened in the Word. So we're going to um, just briefly have a look at that. So in Mark 11... Verse 8 to 10, it says, And many spread their cloaks on the road. So these are just the people that have come to see Jesus. Many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. 
And so the people were actually proclaiming Jesus to be like David in that they were expecting him to, they were wanting him to be this king that came and brought peace to all the people, who brought peace to Israel. And now they, we, we know that in, in history, the Jews actually completely missed Jesus because he didn't come as this political figure like King David. They literally thought he'd, he'd be a copy of David, that he would come in, in a political kind of uh, uh, position to be able to bring this peace to Israel. But we know that what happens next in this uh, story in the Bible is that Jesus actually goes to the cross. Now that shook people because that was not in the plan that they had. They thought Jesus would continue to rise and rise and rise in power. But it did not look like that. It looked like Jesus lost all power because he was put to death by the people who were in power. But that's where Jesus' death and resurrection, we can't just stop at his death because that makes him human like the rest of us. But it's because of his resurrection that he actually was able to bring peace. But he didn't only bring peace to Israel, but he brought peace to you and I. Because his death on the cross meant that we would be reconciled to God in relationship. And you know, I used to always see Jesus' death as victory over sin and death. And yes, it is. But I always used to see sin and death as, as like the enemy. But really, the enemy is separation from God. And that's the war that Jesus won. The war that separated us from the love of God. He won that war when he died and rose again. And we know this because in Romans 8, 37 to 39, you're going to love this. It says this, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, there it is there, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the victory that Jesus won, that we would no longer be separated because of sin and death from the love of God, but that we could come in close, that we could approach God with such confidence, knowing that He loves us. And Jesus made a way for us to have this. And so this is beautiful. And so when we are in Christ, this is what we've become aware of, right? You can think back to the moment where you gave your life to Jesus and said, yes, Jesus, I need you to save my life. Because you realised that Jesus had won a war for you. And that's why you call Jesus your saviour. You've become aware of this. And so I believe that as David is progressing through the psalm, he's seeing himself as this sheep that gets great comfort and great protection from his shepherd, but he knows that there is more to it. He knows that there was a war that has been won by Jesus and he lives in the aftermath. He sees that, that he needs to actually uh, uh, step out of this faith that's just between him and God and step into a faith that actually affects people around him. That's what we become aware of when we're in Christ, that Jesus won the battle. So we stand in victory. That's our position here today. But like we sung with that, that fast song just earlier then, in the af aftermath, we live in the aftermath because there are still people here on planet Earth who are separated from the love of God. 
We know it. You know people personally, intimately, who are separated from the love of God. And that's where we come in. That's where we step into this position. But you know what? Like David, like King David, we have our enemies. When we've become aware that Jesus won this victory and we live in the aftermath, bringing people into this place where they're no longer separated from God. How many of you know that there are enemies out there who don't want to see that happen? That's right. We battle, well, we don't battle, sorry. We're in that place of victory, but we have an enemy. His name is the devil. His name is Satan, whatever you want to call him. But he confuses people. He, he hardens people's hearts. He leads people to be deceived so that they oppose what God's kingdom wants to do here on this earth. And I know you might be sitting here today and you're like, uh, Pastor Beck, I didn't come today to hear a message like this. I didn't come today to hear that I have enemies. I try to live at peace with everyone I know. And if you're thinking that, don't worry, because I'm the same. <laughs> because I don't like the thought of ha having enemies. And I, I would prefer to think of myself as loving towards people and, and wanting to live at peace towards people, right? But you know what's something God opened my eyes to is the definition of enemies. That it's actually just because I have enemies who are against me, who are opposing me, who are hostile towards me, doesn't actually mean that I'm meant to be opposing or oppressive towards them. Do you follow what I mean? Um, and in fact, Jesus talks about that we love our enemies, that we pray for those who persecute us, that we actually go out of our way to bless those who curse us. That's what we do with our enemies. We, we love our enemies and we can only do that through the grace and love of Jesus Christ. But um, the definition, I want to come back the, to the definition of enemy because I believe that this is what holds Christians in a, in a conservative kind of place. I believe this fear of having enemies is what holds Christians uh, uh, in fear of living out a life that is actually bigger than themselves, of actually being expressive with their faith and communicate their faith to other people because they don't want to be shut down. They don't want to be seen as, you know, all on fire for Jesus. They don't want to be seen um, as, as being forward with their faith. And so this fear can actually hold us captive. And we never actually progress from that selfish faith as a sheep into a person that has a faith that, that goes beyond ourselves, that actually infects other people's lives. So the definition of enemy is non-mutual. It's a person who is actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. Never in that definition does it talk about just because you're hostile to me means that I have to be hostile to you. Do you see that? So when God says that we have enemies, it's true. We have enemies, but it doesn't mean that we need to be nasty. It doesn't mean that we have to get angry at the fact that we have enemies, but we can actually be okay with that. And I have a story to tell you of a very time in my life where I had a very real enemy. And I'm so excited to tell you because this was just such a great time in my life. Anyway, to have enemies, isn't this ridiculous? It's ridiculous. But a few, actually this, this was more than a few years ago, but um, when I was doing high school ministry through our church, um, there was a guy youth leader and myself, and he would take a guy's group at a local high school, and I would take a girl's group at this local high school. And um, when we were meeting with the people who would set us up, like the year coordinators and things like that, they were saying, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to give you the ones that are doing well academically, and, and you're there to kind of help support and, and build 
build them up. No, 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 we don't want to give you those kinds of students. We don't want to give you the ones that are excelling, that come from healthy homes, that, you know, are, are functioning pretty well for, for an adolescent. No, 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 no. Those aren't the types of students we want to give you. We want to give you the students who never rock up to school. We want to give you the ones who uh, 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 come from broken homes, the ones that continue to compare themselves, the ones that are so lost in their identity that they just kind of act out and lash out. We're going to give you those kinds of students. And to top it all off, they gave us year nines where, you know, if you've ever been a year nine, which all of you guys have been, you know that you lose your mind in year nine. Just something happens, that year is just a write-off. Anyway, so, so they gave us this group of year nines. And can I tell you that at the beginning of that year, it was ridiculous. It was difficult. Um, but slowly, slowly, God really moved. And it was so exciting because I was like, God, it's only you that you've taken girls like this and knit us together and actually bond us in a way where we're actually cheering each other on. Like to see the girls by the end of the year stop comparing themselves to each other and genuinely compliment each other. Oh, my goodness. It was, it was like, God, you have moved. You You've done the impossible. Um, but these girls began to grow and grow and they started to recognise the identity and the value that God had placed in their life. And the year was just brilliant. Um, we actually really grew to love one another. I loved them and they loved me. And we had this, this just such a great time together. And at the end of the year, they were actually really disappointed because we disbanded. And because um, uh, the following year, you know, they would get serious about school, going into year 10. Um, and I'd be given another group of year nines. Um, and so, you know, we farewelled and it was brilliant. And you know what? It wasn't just me who had noticed the change or our church that had noticed the change in these girls. But there were staff members that noticed the change as well. And there were staff members who liked the change, and that's why we were welcomed back the following year. But can I tell you, there was one particular staff member who did not like the change. Um, I don't know. I don't. I know it doesn't make sense, right? <laughs> Sandy's like, what? Um, and it doesn't make sense to see these students going from, you know, being. Uh, yeah, like they're not rocking up. They're not valuing school to valuing school. Surely every staff member would have loved that. But there was this one particular staff member. I don't know whether it was because of comparison. I don't know whether she couldn't get the girls to rock up to class. I don't know what it was. Um, but the following year, she actively opposed me and the ministry that our church was doing in the school. She went out of her way to make sure that I had to stay in class. And my role was more to mentor uh, the girls as they studied. I'm like, hang on, I'm not here to be an EA. I'm not here to be your teacher's assistant. I'm here to disciple these girls, to mentor these girls. That's why the school has asked me in. But, they, uh, but she uh, you know, wouldn't let me take the girls out of class the year before I could. And we actually had this whole classroom dedicated to this this class that we would have together. Um, and so I had to come into class and just kind of be in that confined role. And slowly, slowly, more things started to happen and, and there was more uh, opposition there from her. All, and it kind of, um, over the next few weeks, it would crescendo and kind of finish off at this point where she brought, brought false allegations against me. So she was trying to tarnish tarnish my actual reputation with the school and with the students um, but it, it was it was kind of a great thing because through this um, and I don't mean this in a terrible way but she was actually fired she was let go and um, moved on 
but to kind of resolve what was going on and, and to kind of discuss these allegations and really work through it, uh, we met together. So my senior pastor actually drove me to the school and he's like, I've got your back. I'm on your side. And you've got to understand that I would have expected my youth pastor to do that for me. But my senior pastor, the senior shepherd was like, no, I'm going to stand beside you and I'm going to be your voice actually in this meeting. Um, and so he, he drove me there. We went in together. We sat with the principal and the deputy and this teacher who had brought these false allegations and and we talked it all out and um and yeah at the end of the day she was actually fired she was uh moved on and um we were able to continue doing our work doing the ministry that god had called us to in that school and so what i gathered from this situation was that I'm actually okay with having some enemies. I'm okay with having enemies if it means that other people are less separated from the love of Jesus. I'm okay if these girls, uh, through a year of discipleship, are flourishing by the end of it. I'm okay to have enemies if it means that my faith is actually infecting other people and it's rubbing up on up up on other people in a way that only brings them life and brings them joy and brings them hope for the future and connects them with the love of God. I'm actually okay to have these kinds of enemies. And so coming back to this Psalm 23, as we see this progression between sheep and humans, that sheep are these clueless, selfish kind of animals. We see that humans are aware, are aware that Jesus has won the victory, that we live in the aftermath and that we actually have enemies that are trying to come against us. And so we go back to this Psalm and we see that that. David starts to talk about these enemies. He starts to talk about how God, God's care for us helps us to deal with these enemies. And the first thing he says is that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Can you see that? That's the first thing that King David talks about in the light of having enemies. He says that the Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, I wanted to kind of bring a bit of a visual to you because so often we read the Word of God and we don't actually put ourselves in those shoes. But I want you to think about any kind of war movie that you've ever seen where you've seen pictures of soldiers at battle. You know, after a while when they're in battle, they grow weary they grow tired. And, and I remember seeing this footage of these soldiers who had become so, um, uh, you know, their muscles had deteriorated. They were so bony and you could actually start to see their skeleton. And they were just so weary from fighting. But this scripture, this passage of scripture shows us this picture where God as king comes to his soldiers, comes to the people who are living that life outside of themselves and says, you know what, in the heat of the battle, come. I've prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Your enemies are surrounding you. You may have people who are hostile towards you right now. You may have people who are trying to oppose you and the light that you bring to your workplace or bring to your family or wherever you go. You will have opposition and you might have active opposition right now. But in the, in the midst of all of that, God comes to you and says, no, my soldiers will not 
have just snacks to eat. My soldiers will not run on empty. My soldiers will not run dry, but I prepare a gourmet meal before them to nourish them. You know, another picture that uh, this scripture, you've got to look into it a little bit, but this scripture paints this picture of how kings would wave a flag while their people, while their army was in battle. They would wave this flag and the army would know, okay, it's time to flock to the kingdom. It's time to flock to the king because under him, under this area, there would be protection. And so when God says this to David, when David writes this in the psalm, this is the picture that he has, where God actually says, come and sit. You might feel like your enemies are upon you right now, but come and sit and be okay to feast. Take your time. Be comfortable because I am there protecting you while your enemies look on. This is what David is seeing. And this morning, I wanted to show you this because I want you to know that God protects you, that He is on your side. He not only cares for you when you're that sheep, when you've lost your confidence, when, you've, when you're kind of in the negative, but He actually cares. His care for you is meant to propel you forward into that place where you are living out your faith, where you do have enemies coming against you. But God says, my care is still sufficient for you in that place. You don't need to fear because I am with you. I am there protecting you and giving you nourishment, giving you a feast while you're battling. I'm not the kind of king, I'm not the kind of God that would let you get battle weary or that would let you run dry and and to the bone. But I feed you, I nourish you for battle. I get you battle ready with my nourishment and my protection. So that's the first thing that King David talks about in this psalm. The second thing that we see is that David says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. That's another picture that we have. You know, I'll just use this cup. But it's this beautiful picture of how God anoints in the midst of battle, in the midst of our enemies. God anoints us. And so often at church, we talk about this anointing as a setting apart. That's often the definition that we know. If you've been in the church for any length of time, we hold things like anointing services, and and we will have one later this year, where we dedicate from here on out, God, we are separated, we are set apart for you. We want to live for you with everything that we are. But the anointing that David actually talks about here represents strength and represents favour. But what we've got to understand is that enemies are still surrounding him. And so when we put this together, it says that God anoints us, he gives us strength and favour to win over our enemies. You see, he doesn't just give us protection and nourishment when we are facing opposition and facing hostility. But he says, you know what, I'm going to anoint you so that you can win over those enemies in your life, those who oppose you. I'm not just going to allow you to survive through the opposition and allow you to thrive through it. But you know what? Your mission is actually to win over those very people who are opposing you, who are hostile towards you. And he says that in the midst of it, that your cup will overflow, that you will have joy. And you know, in the scripture, beautiful, I read it this morning, but it says that those who plan peace will, will have joy in their heart. And I believe that 
that that's what God is saying, that as we plan peace towards our, our opposition, those who are hostile towards us, those who would call them our enemies, that when we, uh, uh, that we, when we have strength and favour, in those interactions, in those relationships, that God actually gives us joy in winning over our enemies. And I love that picture because that gives me all the confidence that I need to actually go from sheep, from being a selfish Christian to being a Christian that lives a life that is a light to people around me, uh, uh, that lives, you know, out my faith and isn't scared to do that because I know that my God protects me when I've fallen, but my God protects me to propel me forward in a battle. Are you seeing this this morning? That God is your protection, He is your nourishment, and He also anoints you so that you can have joy in bringing those who are hostile towards you into this relationship with Him, where He, where there is no longer separation, but they too can join this side of the aftermath. They can live in this freedom. They can live in this life and this love that God purchased for us on the cross. So the anointing is for our strength and for our favour. And you know, this morning, what we're going to actually do is we are going to spend some time anointing people who, you know, you might not be tired right now from battle. You might not be weary or you might be and that's okay. But for those of us who want to live a life and who feel like you have been living a life outside, but you want that extra strength and you want that extra favour, we're going to spend time praying for you and anointing you to set you apart to have just that. So that when you walk into those spaces, into those places where you're finding opposition, that you may go with strength and you may go with the favour of the Lord. We're going to spend a bit of time praying for that. But, you know, um, before we get on to that, I just want to tell you a little bit of a story, well, something that happened to me uh, at the end of last year. You know, uh, we have a gathering at, towards the end of every year where we invite everyone to come. Um, and it's a time where we've set aside to worship God, to pray, but to seek the Lord for a word for the following year. And so last year... Um, I received this word in this setting and I was a little bit confused and a little bit taken aback by it. But it was actually through this revelation that God brought it full circle. And so what happened was that God gave me this picture. He gave me this word. Um, and if you're visual, try imagine this with me. Use your imagination. But he gave me this picture of um, me as a little girl in this white dress and I bounded into the throne room of God and I was just so happy to see God and I went and sat on his lap and was kind of just hugging him, got my arms around his neck um, and we were just enjoying time together. I was content, there was comfort, there was security and it was just a place of peace and joy and, and you could tell I was very, very happy in that place. And um, But then the the picture kind of changed to Father, Son, Holy Spirit actually gathering around me and I was still sitting on Father God's lap and and it was like these tears started to come to his eyes. And it wasn't because, you know, he saw bad things happening to me or whatever. But it was because he um, he saw that this year I would be transitioning from this place of comfort into this place of needing to take up uh, my armour, taking up my sword, taking up my shield and going into battle. 
And so he began to explain to me just that. And he was telling me, look, this isn't anything to be afraid of. And, and it was great because I had um, Jesus and Holy Spirit there as well. And they were all kind of coming around me to show me that there would still be protection. There'd still be this love um, that surrounded me. But still, as this, as this child, I became unsure. Or I felt like, God, how could you let these things happen to me? Um, and, and this doubt, and I started to cry and tear up, but God was there to tell me that, no, daughter, you will still be protected. You will still know my protection as you gather up your armor, as you put on your shield, as you grab your sword and go into battle. You will know that I am the Lord who protects you. I am your shield. I am your very great reward. And I tell you that, I share with that, that with you this morning because I believe that that word wasn't actually just for me, but it depicted a place that we were at as a church, that we were in a place where in our individual lives, but collectively as a church, that we were in a place of comfort, knowing that the Lord is our shepherd. And we were living out this faith that was very one dimensional in that it was just between me and God. But God, what he saw for our year this year and what he saw for us as a church and as individuals is that we would be coming, transitioning out of this place of comfort and into this place of going into battle going into this place where we would know uh, that we would need to know the protection from God because we would begin to have enemies. We would begin to have opposition and we would need His protection. And so this morning, I believe, and that's why I wanted to bring this word to you and give you an opportunity to actually come and be anointed as a symbol of God has got you protected. As a symbol of you may have opposition now or it may be coming, but through it all that God is going to protect you. And so right now, if I could have the band come up and join us and just begin to play and to minister, that would be awesome. But right now, if I can get us all to stand to our feet. And before we begin, and before you come forward and we begin anointing, people this morning, I wanted to put the invitation out there for anyone that if you know that you're currently right now separated from the love of God, then I would love to invite you into a relationship with Him. As we talked about this morning, Jesus won a victory for you. And the thing is that we, none of us could have actually won that victory for ourselves but Jesus was the perfect sacrifice and the perfect victor to go to the cross. And so when we stand in him, when we give our lives over to him, we get to share in that victory. God makes us victorious in our life. And so this morning, if that's you, if you know that you are separated from the love of God, then I would love to lead you in a prayer. So you can repeat this after me. Pray, dear Jesus, I believe you died for my sin and rose again in victory. Thank you for reconciling me and that nothing will ever separate me from the love of God. I put my faith in you today. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. So if you 
said that prayer this morning for the first time, or if you know that you've needed to come back to God, that you have felt separated from His love, then this morning we have one of our elders up at the back. We have Audi at the back there who would love to talk with you about that, who would love to pray alongside you for that. But as well, we'd love to give you a Bible that has a bit of information in it as well for your next steps from here on out as a disciple of Jesus Christ, as someone who can live a victorious life. But right now we're going to turn our attention to God's anointing for our life. And so this morning, I wanted to invite those of you who are wanting that strengthening, wanting that victory, wanting that favour, that maybe you have been struggling. Maybe you have been going to work every day and you're like, I'm not gaining an inch here. I feel like my light in this place is stifled. If you're here this morning, God's anointing is here to give you strength and to give you favour. If you're here this morning as a parent and you're like, I'm needing strength for this journey. Maybe there's confusion, maybe there's a feeling of being lost or even hopeless as you're parenting in this season. God's anointing is here this morning to help you through, to give you favour, to give you wisdom where you have run dry. And for anyone else, you know the place that God has called you to. You know the place where God has positioned you to minister, wherever that may be. It is valuable. It is worth gaining God's strength and favour for because he's placed you in that position to take ground for his kingdom, to live out of faith in this aftermath that helps people connect with the love of God. And if that's you this morning, then I want to invite you to the altar. We have prepped our elders to pray with you. So there will be more than enough people and more than enough space as well for you. But if that's you right now, why don't you begin to come? I know there are many people here. I know there are many people here. And to be honest, as I was um, preparing this message I know that I needed to respond for my post here at Lift Church, for my post in the other arenas of my life. Thanks, guys. That I too needed to respond because I wanted that greater strength, that greater favour for my life. So as you respond, the elders are going to come around and they're just going to take a little bit of oil and they're going to place that on your forehead as a symbol of God's anointing coming upon your life. But you know what? It's your faith behind this moment that actually brings God's anointing to your reality. So we're going to pray now for you. And at any time you can come up, you can respond as you feel led. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lift, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.